from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2 on a home run by the Wizard! Go crazy! Swinging a long one into left field! Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's the winner! A three-run homer by Clark! the Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five and they may go to the World Series on that one folks. What a team, what a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Welcome to That's a Winner podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins and follow us on Twitter. Be sure to do that at that's a winner pod. Joining me as always is Josh Brown, and also joining us tonight is Kyle Peach. He'll be joining us every week from here on out whenever he has time. Super busy guy. But uh, let's get straight to it. The Cardinals had a historic night last night and had five gold glove winners. I can't believe it. I tweeted out before that four I thought were going to win and five should have, but I didn't think the voters were going to make that happen. They did, though, and how about that? Historic. First team, the Cardinals become the first team in MLB history with five gold glove winners in a season. Pretty remarkable. I guess just make them, uh, make them ring and get one for every finger on one hand, right? Uh, just amazing to see the Cardinals do that. I, I really was interested and intrigued by that matchup between Tommy Edmond and Colton Wong at second base. Looks like the Cardinals may have picked the right guy at second. Who would have thought that at the start of the season? No, that's a good point because you think about all of the hate that Mo gets and how much hate Mo got last year uh, whenever he made that decision. And they didn't re-sign Colton Wong for $10 million or so and took the Tommy Edmond route that was, uh, I think, 500000 or something like that. And people were pretty upset about it, but now the Gold Glove winner is two years in a row in St. Louis. So Mo looks pretty good on that move. He does. I was one of those guys criticizing him. I'll be honest. I'm a Colton Wong fan for life. I love the guy. I've met him a couple of times. And uh, yeah, but happy for Tommy, man. He deserved it. We talked about it. He was the one guy out of the, the the second guy out of the six besides Yachty that we thought might not win it. But he just had an incredible season at second base and, and even filling in in the outfield. And he just made some incredible plays and was still great for us at the plate, too. Yeah, I, I like the way he plays. I think he's a guy that really kind of jumps out at you as, as maybe the Cardinal way example of, of the younger breed of Cardinal players. He just seems to do the right things, hustle all the time. Things that Cardinal fans can certainly get behind. And I know a lot of Cardinal fans uh, certainly happy with the play of Tommy Edmonds. I really can't say it enough. I tweeted again, follow me on Jinx3086, by the way. But I tweeted and I said, I just so damn happy for Tommy. I like, I'm so ecstatic for him because I don't think anybody thought that's where he would go this year. I mean, I think that everyone thought he was good defensively. And but they just didn't think he was going to win the Gold Glove, and and I'm tired of hearing the platooning of Tommy Edmond for next year. I'm tired of it. You're not going to pull out a Gold Glover, and same with Harrison Bader. It's just probably not going to happen now. You're not going to platoon a Gold Glover out of a situation, especially when he had almost you know the top in doubles last year and on and hits last year. Stop talking about platooning Tommy Edmond. Let's get him starting 162 games and see where he goes. And I don't even care if he's leadoff. I know a lot of people are against that too, but he, I think he's just coming to an, into his own and his defense has is, is just been awesome. Yeah, I hope so. And I think Tommy's one of those guys 
you know, lead off the spot a little bit that I have an issue with, right? Because the OBP very low, but he hits a single, it's pretty much a double. Because that was the other thing we didn't talk about is is the stolen bases. Obviously, we're talking about gold gloves here, but very high success a uh, success rate on stolen bases. I think he had thirty thirty one this year, um, second behind Trey Turner, I believe. So, I mean, hey, the guy hits a single, it's pretty much a double if he can get in scoring position. They also say he can't hit right-handers. What arm does Max Scherzer throw with? Yeah. Is right-handed. Who had two hits in the wild card game? Is the only one on the team was Tommy Edmund. That's true. They were bloop singles. Yeah, what, they're still <laughs> What's the leadoff guy supposed to do? No, no, no. That was great in both times he stole two bases as well. What's so, the guy supposed to do? Leadoff guy to get on. gets on base, and that's what he did. So, I think he's still young. It's his career, you know, is just getting going and it's. I just don't want to platoon now. I think whenever his 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 downtime is going to you know happen in the middle of summer at some point, and then that's when you're going to throw in some Gorman here and there. Gorman's not going to DH. He's going to be sharing on and off with Tommy Edmond, and that's going to be fine. But I think you ride the hot hand whenever those hot times come, and you're going to go with the Gold Glove defense when Gorman. We don't know what we're going to get at second base. You know, I think it's interesting too. You talk about all the all the youth on this team, and, and Ryan, you and I are not a lot, and we we pretty much uh, I don't know if we started the hashtag Mo must go, but uh, we certainly supported it for a long, long time. And, and you look at O'Neill and Bader, two guys that were hitting like they were pitchers a couple of years ago. I know we're talking about defense here, but uh, it's nice to see O'Neill and Bader also. Uh, getting some hardware, and, and, and boy, what turnarounds they have had uh, showing that this Cardinal youth movement is actually for real. Yeah, that's a good segue over to uh, the Bader and O'Neill part of it. You know, uh, Bader, obviously, is an incredible defender. He's another guy I'm happy. finally got his first gold glove. He deserved it. And I am perfectly fine to announce that I was not on the Bader train. Uh, it's still, I don't know that I still am on the Bader train, but the point is his de- defense is so good. And if the lineup is good enough, one through six, then it's fine for him to bat ninth and not be great. But his offense was much improved this year. So if you can get that out of it, it's it's perfectly fine. Um, but Bader's defense is is elite. Um, according to all the metrics, I that was he and Tyler O'Neill, I think, were the best chance for locks for that for that uh, gold glove this year. Yeah, for sure. Especially based on defensive run save. We talked about that. I, I believe Bader was at the top in center field in the National League, and he was only five, which is still a lot behind Michael Taylor, who led all of baseball in center field. But but Bader was at the top there in center uh, defensively. And, yeah, much more improved at the plate. I think the biggest thing at the plate for a guy like him and a guy like Tommy Edmond for me is just overall consistency, right? It seems like there's times that they disappear for a month or two, and that's going to happen with even the best players. And they, they get into some of these slumps and lulls, but – if those guys could put it together, especially offensively for a whole season, you know, even get to league average, a little above league average offensively, I, yeah, I think that would be fantastic with the defense that they're already bringing. You'll find that I'm the guy that will derail the train all the time, but does that not scream hitting coach to anybody else but me? I, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to find a coach that can help our guys a little bit better at weathering these the slumps on offense. The defense clearly there, but – these young guys need some need some more help uh, when, when going gets tough at the plate, and, and, and I'm just not sold on Albert being the guy. I, I'm, I'm taking this off topic already, but that, that could be for another day. But certainly uh, something I hope the Cardinals take a hard look at. Well, that's a good point on, on management in general. 
this is, uh, as we kind of said, this is the cardinal way is defense, right? And defense and stealing is, you know, running bases is kind of the cardinal way. Was Schilt the reason why they were good defensively? Now that's worrisome, right? It, we'll see what happens next year. But Ollie is a is is a cardinal way guy too, right? So that's yeah. We didn't have much change, but that you know, Josh and I have asked this question. We even asked Derek Gould on Twitter. You know, was it Albert or was it Schilt that they were following or not following whenever the slumps were happening and when they were on a seventeen game win streak? We never really got the answer. Um, so I think um, it's going to be difficult to figure out if it's. Albert, or if it's Schilt that they were following, and maybe one day we get Gould on here to actually maybe answer the question. Yeah, that would be fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, we we've had a lot of back and forth on this because it's just not clear. Obviously, we know Ollie said he's gonna he's gonna try to do a better job at communicating with the players that philosophy. I did read something about him working with Tyler O'Neill a lot, uh, and if that's the case, then if he really helped him this year, then I think it's it's good news at least for the the younger players moving forward for sure. Well, you. You talk about that working with him, but doesn't O'Neill have his own hitting coach or his dad or something else in, in there too? Yeah, I want to say I heard that he was, was doing some stuff with Ryan Ludwig. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that might be it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's – so Albert probably takes that. Um, but I heard Ryan Ludwig is possibility to be the that second hitting yeah. coach or whatever, the assistant hitting coach yep. position. And that could make sense if he's in there helping Broneal. But let's talk about Broneal. Going straight into that, his back-to-back. Gold gloves. Last year, I was shocked that he won, and this year, it was expected. His throwing was amazing. His speed to be able to get to balls that he shouldn't get to, and you know, again, last year I was like, "What? Tyler O'Neill just won a gold glove," and this year it was like, "Tyler O'Neill is going to win this gold glove." Yeah, he just uh, you know exudes athleticism, and and certainly no one can deny the ability he had defensively this year. Likes like also to see the uptick in offense that uh, he, is seeing, he is molding himself into maybe a couple of years down the line, an MVP-type caliber player. I mean, he, he's gotten that good over the last couple of seasons. He definitely has. I mean, he literally is that dude for coming up. Like, so should the Cardinals give him a, a deal? Like, should we get rid of some of the arbitration years and, and you know, buy that out? I don't think he'll take it now. You're talking about back-to-back gold gloves hitting 31 home runs this year, I do believe. 34. 34 home runs this year. So you think that, you know, he would even take a deal at $55 million for, you know, five years right now? I don't think he would. I don't think he, his agent would let him. He might not let him. I, I, I think he'd be tempted to. I mean, again, this is a – okay, so this is a guy, 2020, that was benched in the playoffs, right? He was benched for a guy named Austin Dean. Who was no longer on the team. Yes. And so, I mean uh-huh. – I mean, O'Neal, he he is one of those guys. I think obviously, I want to I want to see one more one more year of it, a full package, right? Because he still only played 138 games, which which is it wasn't it's not terrible, but he just has those nagging injuries here and there. It seems like one of them I think was a thumb thing this year when he stole a base and food not, poisoning, yeah, COVID shot, yeah, the COVID shot. He had random symptoms, and so some of it was bad luck. But he is one of those guys, very underrated defensively. But every time he dives, I cringe because he's just so beefy and so big. You just worry that he's going to get hurt. He's got a lot to land on, though. That's true. But, you know, you got to think about the past. I think I mentioned this last time in the last podcast, but the past left fielders has not been kind to the St. Louis Cardinals for for defense. And even Ozuna that came over as a gold glove, which is, I cannot believe, it must have been a really bad year that year for gold glove (laughs) candidates in left field. Yeah. But, he, you know, 
uh, you know, before that, who did we have before that in, in left field? Um, Matt Holiday? Yikes. That was always an adventure. Um, who else? I mean, there were, left field was... Matt Adams appeared out oh, there a couple gosh, times. Oh, gosh, Matt Adams. <laughs> I mean, it was always an adventure. I always think about uh, Ozuna clinging to the wall, and he's hanging on. Oh, yeah. And he's trying to, uh, like, oh, gosh. And now we have a gold glover in left field, uh, which is just... Well, I, I just, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the young dudes and more than anything else, uh, you know, Edmund Bader and O'Neill that, you know, all gold glovers. And that's the youth movement of, of the organization. That's going to be able to take us to where we want to go. I say, we like, um, St. Louis Cardinals, but let's talk about, uh, the guy at third base, Nolan Arenado, um, nine years in a row to start his career is the second most in the history of Major League Baseball to start his career with nine gold gloves in a row. The only other is 10 in a row is Ichiro Suzuki. That guy, he was pretty good, too. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's good. <laughs> he earns his paycheck defensively. He does it uh, offensively, even though those numbers were down a little bit this year. But you can't deny the defensive ability uh, at third base that the Cardinals have. And, and certainly uh, hope to see that continue for years to go as now he's into his 30s. So, and to start getting older, hopefully he can keep that up defensively. Yeah, and he was one that I still thought, I mean, was going to take it home this year. Nine in a row, he still just yeah. makes those incredible plays. I, I think if there was one guy that might have challenged him for it, it would have been Machado. They're both so good defensively over there. But but Nolan, obviously, I don't think any of us are worried about the defense. Nothing we saw about the defense this, where this year worried us that much. He did start off a little slow. But I think the big thing we want to see is the offense moving forward. Okay, look, you know, the OPS was down. The, the slugging was down a little bit. The OBP was down. But the guy still hit 34 home runs, 104, 106 RBI. First guy to do that since Scott Rowland, I believe. So are we, are we going to complain too much? Well, you know, you know where I could take this conversation. Now, what people don't realize is Josh is the most negative Cardinal fan there is. Whenever we text, he's just terribly negative. And on here, he sounds like this everything's perfect on here. So I can't wait for get in season. So some of his anger will come out, but he and I have had conversations about Nolan Arenado where I'll, I will go to bat for him every time, man. <laughs> I'm so happy. He's a Cardinal. Oh, I, I am too. But uh, when I sat in Cincinnati um, and watched the Cardinals get killed in the second game of the uh, double header, I said, Oh, Nolan Arenado is going to hit a home run here because there's no one on base. The game is out of hand and it's not going to count. And it's not going to matter. And what did he do? He hit a bomb. Guy, Cardinals guy in front of me turned around and said, yep, you were right, because Nolan Arenado hits a lot of, as we talked about before as well, empty base, no meaning home runs. But we'll save that conversation for a different day. <laughs> that sounds like Matt Holiday all over again, oh, right? You see, you're going to talk about that. People don't want to hear about Matt Holiday slander. I, I agree with that as well. I, the most overrated Cardinal of all time. Might get some mean tweets because of that. But, all right, let's go to first base. <laughs> Mr. Goldschmidt, Golden Goldie, his fourth career. Um, and he, uh, the craziest stat to me, he had two errors in like 152 games or something like that. Two errors. Yep. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. Um, I believe I'm pulling up the stats here, but I'm pretty positive it is the most defensive run saved he's had in a season since 2017. I believe he had 14. I'm looking at finding it here. But he had, he was great defensively this year, and, and we saw probably one of the greatest double plays of the season that he started, and he started a lot of great ones of you know snagging those hard ground balls, touching first, going home. 
we saw it uh, in the 17th win in a row in Chicago, and it was probably one of the craziest double plays I've seen turn. Those two that uh, he started, one in, the new one in New York and then uh, the one in Chicago. I don't know. I know that fans vote for the Platinum Award, the Platinum uh, Gold Glove, or I don't know, whatever they call it, the Platinum Glove. Yeah. Is that the only vote that matters? Is the fan vote, or do we know? I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one's just the fan vote. I know I know the Gold Glove finalists and the Gold Glove winners are voted on by all 30 managers. They can't vote for one of their own players, and then there's up to it's set up to six other coaches on each right. team voted for those. But, yeah, I think the Platinum Glove is uh, just voted on by the fans, I believe. So uh, the Platinum has been around since 2011. Yachty has four of those. Nolan has four of those. So that's eight of the last uh, eight of the ten, I do believe that are that have been won. So of Goldie, in a, a last night on the broadcast on the ESPN broadcast, um, uh, what's his name? Glanville? It's not, it's not right. Is that right? Who was on the broadcast last night? Anyways, I can't even remember. Um, um, he he said I, he thought that Goldie should win the platinum. So if Goldie could win the platinum, which I voted for him three times yesterday on my three different email accounts, but um, that would be, un, you know, would be nine of the ever goal uh, platinum winners, which would be, you know, another feather in the cap of the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, I, I think, the, I think the problem is there's so many Cardinals that are going to split the Cardinal vote uh, with this all fan thing. I, I mean, I love to, I'd love to say Goldie should get it. I think, I think that's a, a valid argument, but boy, if you're the realist in me says that's going to be really, really hard to do. Uh, given the fact that there are so many Cardinals that got it. And, and oh, by the way, the Platinum Glove winner in 2020, Nolan Arenado. 2019, Nolan Arenado. 2018, Nolan Arenado. 2017, Nolan Arenado. I, I don't a year because of some Cub. And then Molina, 2015, <laughs> 14, 12, and 11. We've won it all but, what, two years? Yeah, Rizzo once and um, I don't remember the other. I looked it up yesterday. Uh, but but here's the thing, though, with this, and I saw some people saying this online. The Cardinals fans are going to have to collude on this yes. a little bit. Like, it's kind of like the MV3. Remember that? Like, yes. Those, yep. those three dudes all could have won the MVP, well, but they all split votes. Well, what I think about is, is Wainwright, and this drives me nuts because I think about it all the time, Wainwright and Chris Carpenter splitting Cy Young, uh, Cy Young votes, and Tim Lincecum wins it. And I, Tim Lincecum shouldn't have won it this year. We're not going to get into that, but <laughs> but this is one of those things where I think we got to pick one or the other. I do think if it's if it's going to be somebody for the Cardinals, it should be either Goldschmidt or Arenado this year. But do you think that more Cardinals fans than ever are probably going on there and voting? I would hope so. You know with, I mean? with how many Gold Glove winners we had, like yeah, that but peaked the interest, right? And, and less people are peaked of their interest because there are less guys out there to vote for. If that makes sense, right? Like it's drawing as many Cardinal people as possible. We didn't have much to get excited about this year. Because we had gold gloves and we have a 17-game win streak, and that was about it. And, you know, uh, did we talk about all five that won? Did we hit all five? I believe so, yeah. yeah. So let, yep. me, let me ask this. Is, is this the greatest defensive team in the history of baseball? I mean, no other team has ever got five. Four was the other um, biggest number when that was the Cardinals in 1960-something, I do believe. And there's a couple other teams that did four as well. Uh, and the following year, the Cardinals won the World Series after they did that. But... Is this the greatest defensive team of all time? So for me, when you, when you say that, looking at the numbers, you want to say yes. But I keep thinking about April and May when it was Justin Williams and it was all <laughs> these random outfielders out here because, you know, Harrison Bader was hurt for the first month yeah. and a half of the season. Tyler O'Neill missed some time. But when they were all on the field healthy, especially those two in the outfield, 
Yeah, I think I think it's hard to to say that there was a better team defensively, but maybe ever. You ready for a mean tweet comment again? Oh yeah. We didn't win anything. Yeah. We didn't win a thing. We didn't win the division. We didn't win the pennant. We didn't win the World Series. You can't say you're the greatest at anything if you don't win that. There you go. Well, defense, right? All the the metrics say is the best team in, in baseball and defense, right? But okay, uh, fire me with fire me with Schultz because you don't use metrics. <laughs> you didn't win anything. Well, you didn't, and defense wins championships. I don't think it does in baseball. Yeah, I, I don't think it does in baseball. I think, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I here's uh, one other thing I want to talk about is, is the other guy that lost, Yadier Molina, that didn't win, and um, you know it was pretty much foregone conclusion that he wasn't going to win, and then whenever he didn't win, people started tweeting and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Stallings won," and Yadi had I don't have it all in front of me. Yadi had uh, a better. He only had he had less errors. He had double the caught stealing. And he had a higher fielding percentage. His uh, outs above average were, uh, I couldn't find the metric on on uh, Baseball Savant for J, uh, for Stallings. I could for Yachty, and his outs above average wasn't very good. So I assume Stallings was decent. And then his pitch framing, uh, Stallings' pitch framing was better. So you could make the argument that Yachty should have won um, over Stallings because of all the basic metrics. You know, 10 years ago, Yachty wins the award based on the old, you know, everyone knows the metrics of of what you go against. Now, because of pitch framing and outs above average, Stallings wins. I mean, he's in our division, and I I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, I, I'm, and this is when I I didn't dig enough into the, the catcher stats to know. I mean, obviously, we talked about this the other week. I mean, it was another great season for sure. Yadi limiting the running game. I mean, we hardly ever have many stolen bases against us each season. But I know one stat I saw on, on Stallings, I believe, was he had he allowed maybe one or two pass balls total the entire year. It was like a big, big stat that they throwed up uh, on the ESPN on the broadcast the other night during the uh, Gold Glove show. Well, and, and I've got to start wondering, you know, with all of the, the writers and things that, that vote in this, how, how upset are they with Yachty's reaction of being left off last year uh, for the Gold Glove? He most voiced his displeasure, uh, said he uh, was not happy with how it went. Uh, you know, is there a little resentment there because of his previous reactions to not being selected? I mean, I, I, I'm a big Yachty fan. I, the sentimental side of me shows Yachty should have got it. Um, you know, I, I'm certainly not a Pittsburgh pirate, but, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, it, it is what it is. And, and I just have to wonder a little bit of Yachty's previous reactions, if that has anything to do with how people voted or not. Yeah, uh, but, you know, I have a, just a couple more things uh, on this topic. But one, um, my favorite stat is in since uh, 2004, the Cardinals have allowed 847 stolen bases. The next is Arizona Diamondbacks at 1,250. The Reds at 1,307. Like that is Yadier Molina and how good that he is, uh, and I don't remember my other point, but my third point was Buster Posey isn't a Hall of Famer. <laughs> oh, that, that's did you want to get into that? That's a whole <laughs> that's a whole another situation because we had a lot of Twitter chatter. It seemed like a lot of riders were prisoner of the moment the other day. Yes, when we look, I hate talking in hyper hyperbole. It is my like I hate when people do it. It just irks me so bad, and I don't know. I'm in a mood tonight or for some reason, but the Buster Posey. 
and if you go do a Google search and you look up is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer and you look at everything from um, 2021 in July, in June, there are all these stories about how Buster Posey could be a Hall of Famer in about five years if he played that much longer. Not in five years when he, and he gets the vote p- comes up. Five years that he plays more than he'd be a Hall of Famer. All on the numbers, he's not a Hall of Famer. Every metric there is that people look at for hits and RBIs and on-base percentage, he had one gold glove for a catcher. Catchers are usually judged based on their defense first and then they're hitting you know, how good of a, a player they are because it's so important. I don't care that he was really good with the team. I, I He got three World Series, okay? He had one batting championship, one MVP, rookie of the year. One of those, right? So he had a couple good years. That doesn't put you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he did, I think I think a lot of times people think about him, they think about the three World Championships, which which is fantastic. And he and he was a great catcher and, and one of the greatest, I think, uh, of our generation offensively, but, but also, you know, he, he played a lot of first base. For a base. few years though, too. Yeah. Though. It was like three, four years, like a peak there. And, and, and still like, even this year, like he played first base. He wasn't catching the whole time. He, he played first base for a total of, in his career, 220 some odd games. Obviously we all know there's 162 games uh, in a, in a season. He played a season and a quarter at first base. So of his 11 ish year career, a whole year and a quarter, was at first base. Dude's not a Hall of Famer. I it kills me the hyperbole of all these guys slurping him up whenever he was announcing his retirement. All were saying literally three, four, five months ago that he was not a Hall of Famer unless he played a few more years. You know the thing that irks me is these are the same people that were questioning if Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer. Uh, and to me, there's no question on that. I think uh, I'm with you guys. I don't think Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer. If Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer, Yadier Molina best be a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, because that's that's the difference there, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I think a big part of Yadier's uh, naysayers is all moot now because of how many years he's played, durability, all the metrics that they want a player to hit, you know, to all the numbers they want to make it like, okay, like I think I tweeted out, um, no player has made the Hall of Fame a position player with under 2,000 hits since the 1960s. Yachty's now at 2,200-ish, and Buster Posey's at 1,500. So all of his great, great, you know, in air quotes, uh, years as a hitter, he's only at 1,500 hits. And Yachty or Molina, who's played more, obviously, but is at 2,100 and some. So Yachty's hitting the metrics, and that's what people care about, and that's why he's going to be a Hall of Fame. Now people have nothing really to stand on to say that why he shouldn't be, especially with all his gold gloves as a catcher. What's he supposed to do? And he has two World Series, and hopefully he gets a third before he goes away. Yeah, and uh, just to go back to the Gold Glove with him this year, you you talk about the longevity. Oh, we're supposed to talk about Gold Gloves. That's what we. You were. talk about the longevity with Yachty. So we were talking about Jacob Stallings. I will say I'm looking at fan graphs here. Defensive runs saved. If you like that metric, that's a big one defensively. Uh, Stallings led all the National League with 21. The next closest was Elias Diaz with Colorado at nine. Yachty was fourth in the NL at six, but Yachty was second in the National League in innings caught. He caught 1,001 in a third innings. The guy who caught the most innings in the NL this year was Will Smith on the Dodgers. And Yachty's 39. It's yes. just crazy. Crazy. I smell a second one-year deal coming. No, you, you think? I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think you will. I think this is it. This is it. 
I think he'll uh, try and be a coach, to be honest. I think that's what he'll try and do. Yvonne Herrera Herrera is at home right now. Like, God, please, no. Can I get my (laughs) chance after next season, please? So then uh, also tonight we announced was the Rookie of the Year finalist. Yep. And so Dylan Carlson is Rookie of the Year. It's with um, India Carlson and the dude from the Marlins that I didn't know existed. Um, Oh, the pitcher. Yeah. Johnson, is that right? I could have just made that up. I'm I'm losing track on the name, but yeah, he he. Oh, uh, uh, Taylor Rogers, I think is his name. <laughs> so those are the three uh, that it's down to for the finals, and I think that is what was expected. But there are a lot of salty, salty people up uh, up north um, in Chicago about some dude named Patrick Wisdom that wasn't uh, in the final three. Isn't he like 35? Yes, but he's still and didn't he hit a bunch <laughs> of home runs for us. But he, but he's still a rookie, and they thought that he should be in the final three, and he did hit like thirty-five home runs this year, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's it's I think it's pretty. I think they think it's going to be unanimous, pretty much. That's going to be India, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, India was fantastic. You saw a little bit of him. You went to a Cincy game this year. I did as well, and he hit a bomb off of us. I mean, he he was just really good consistently the whole season. I think among the rookies. Yeah, I don't think you can deny how good he is. I I, I think you, you talk about Patrick Wisdom, you got to say, you know, what team you're playing on. Uh, that, that ends that debate real quick in a hurry. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I think India probably probably wins that one. Uh, Dylan Carlson, respectable second. And who Trevor Rogers is, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, so you think about all, all of those accolades or whatever, whatever we want to call them for the season. We have six out of eight position players get gold glove and nominations and five win. Then we had one guy in right field when is in line for a rookie of the year nomination. So he's top three in, in rookies in the league. So that's seven guys. And then uh, who are we missing? We have uh, the pitcher eight. What other position out there? Are we not talking about one bit? Well, the manager of the year. No, I was talking about a shortstop. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. the gap in the shortstop. That's the gap. So, but I did hear something about shortstop with us this year. Uh, the Cardinals uh, combined, DeYoung, Sosa, led defensive runs saved at shortstop this combined, year. Combined. Huh? the two Combined, of, yes, yeah. com- combined. But but if the Cardinals are thinking they're fine defensively there, and this, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about don't move Tommy from second base. I think that's that happening is going to fully depend on what they decide to do at shortstop. If they go sign a Trevor Story, then yes, Tommy Evans playing second base full time. But if that happens, I think you're going to see Nolan Gorman DH. If that bat is playing, if that bat's that good, we need a left-handed bat, right? I I don't think that Gorman Mark Saxon when he came on the podcast, he said, "Let him be great." I don't. I, he yeah. doesn't think that he's going to be. A, he's not going to be that dude to be. He says, "Yep, Yepes makes more sense there." Yeah, I agree. And it's not going to be Nolan Gorman. I, I don't know, but. I want to bring up a point about that obvious hole. I know we talked about shortstop last time as well, but Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post today uh, was talking, and he said that Trevor Story is seeking, he will not sign, does not have any interest in a one-year pillow deal to prove his worth for next year. Um, And he said he's looking for a, get this number, I I don't know if you can do the math on this, he's looking for, expecting a four-year, 
$150 million. Now, I did a quick math on that myself. That's uh, $37 million a year. $37 and a half. So let's, let me it's tell you. It's not happening. The Cardinals aren't doing it. And no. also, I don't think anyone is paying Trevor Story that amount of money, right? Well, the only other team I can think of that would have done that would have been the Yankees. And the latest story from them last week was that they've soured on him. So they're, the Yankees are about to go throw all their money at either Carlos Correa or Corey Seager, I can guarantee you. So who's more out of line? Like the Cardinals are not, I mean, they're not going to be touching $30 million, or that Trevor Story is wanting way too much. I think he's wanting way too much. Um, it, you know, other teams that have been brought up are the Tigers and the Rangers. They've been getting brought up a lot. I know that. Uh, I know that Trevor's from Texas. He's from that area. So there's a little bit of a connection there. The Tigers apparently are looking to spend money this offseason. Are they spending 30 plus million? Though? Yeah. Look, if they're going to offer him that, I mean, if I were Trevor's story, I would take it too to take the money. But hey, have fun playing on some bad teams for the next four, five, six years. He's used to that. I guess <laughs> that's true. But but to put that in perspective, that's five million dollars more a year we're paying Nolan Arenado. That's 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 how that's how that works out. So uh, I, I think he's overpriced. I don't think there's any way anybody takes them with any sense. Sounds like a great Cubs deal, probably. Uh, just because it, it's ridiculous, but but I think he's overpriced. And, you know, with the uncertainty of, of the season, with the, the contract that needs to be negotiated with the players and the owners, uh, the fact that we're coming off COVID and, and, and teams hurting financially from that, I, I don't know that anybody's got that kind of money. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I think I think it's a little of both. I don't. I do not think the Cardinals are going to sign a 25 million plus dude. And forget it now, the Cardinals will not, I will say it will not sign Carlos Carrera. They will not sign Seager. It's not going to happen. Zero percent chance. I don't think it, unless some way that someone finds a way that everyone like all the spots fill up and we just get someone that falls to us and the market, you know, implodes. I don't see us signing any, anyone because of the what Mo and the DeWitts will do. Now, Kyle, I haven't shared this story with you. I told you about it, and Josh and I were together. But we were after the Cardinals won the seventeen game win streak. We're in Chicago. We were there. Josh and I were at the at the game uh, for the what was it fifteenth game when they broke the record, right? Isn't that what it was? Yeah, yeah. And so we're we're leaving Wrigley, and uh, you know, tons of Cardinals fans. It was awesome. Well, Wrigley's terrible, but it was an awesome <laughs> it was an awesome experience. But we're leaving, and and uh, we're going like the the back way, like Bleacher's way around, and out walks um, John Shambi for one. We see John Shambi leaving, looking looking distressed and unhappy to be. Uh, calling Cubs games, but then was Bill DeWitt Jr. and he, I go, hey, there's Bill DeWitt Jr. and Josh is like, oh yeah, and I was like, hey, hey Bill, he he looks and he takes off his mask to listen. It was was what I thought was funny, and I said, we need a shortstop, get Story, and he goes, huh? We need a shortstop, get Story. And he goes, okay, and gives me a thumbs up. So I don't know if that means anything. I think that means definitely he's listening to me, right? Yeah. Okay, I've called my shot with, with Trevor's story. Right, He should listen to us, right? Because we know exactly what to do. I think if the Cardinals could get this guy for under under $25 million a year AAV, I think that would be perfect, and I think that they would do it. Now, that's just me speculating, but uh, I called my shot that we'll go after story uh, uh, four-year, $90 million. Let's say four-year, $90 million. $22.5 million a year, or if you wanted to go up to $96 million total on the deal, it's about $24 million a year. I would be totally fine with that. Uh, I think if you put that offer to the table on the table to him and he gets 120, 130, 40 million from the Tigers or the Rangers, hey, if you want to go play 
in your home state with the Rangers and be bad for four or five years, like go for it, take the more money. But I'm telling you, I think that us having Nolan Arenado gives us a leg up on this because we've already heard that they've talked. Nolan and he went out to dinner the night before the All-Star game. They're really, really good friends. So I think he's going to be in his ear this offseason. Well, also the Patrick Saunders, I think it was the name today that I heard, he was from the Denver Post. He mentioned, he asked, he literally asked Story, have you talked to that guy in St. Louis uh, about playing some playing with him? He goes, oh, I may have talked to that guy in St. Louis, and he may text me and say about coming to play there. And yeah, it'd be cool to play with him, but I'm not going to stir that up, is what Story said. That was before the end of the season. So there was a literal direct question to him about it. And I and they he, Patrick Saunders, the defensive, the Denver Post guy says, they are absolute best friends. And Trevor Story would make sense in St. Louis. And he also agreed with me and says, I don't think the Cardinals are going to spend the money. I think we're, look, I think this offseason so far has gotten off so perfectly. Like, oh, yeah, you know, for the Schilt haters, me, one of them. He, all right, he's gone. Ollie Marmel, okay, cool, it's fine. You know, we signed uh, TJ McFarlane today. Well, we can talk about that in a minute. Yep. Uh, and looking at Luis Garcia, you know, those things. Everyone likes all those moves, and it's lining up for us to, I think, just to all get our feelings hurt like normal in the, and from the, from the, the free agent market. Simply from the standpoint of, of feeling disappointed for so many years, I, you know, I, I'm resolving myself to coming to the conclusion that we've won too many postseason awards. We made the playoffs, if you call it that, uh, the new playoffs. Uh, we're good. Yeah, that's Mo. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like, call hey. the young stop. I hate that. I don't want that. But I think with the money that they've invested, and we talked about do you do you give a guy a contract like like an O'Neill out of arbitration? You go ahead and give him a contract. Well, that works so well with Paul DeYoung. It scares me uh, from doing that anywhere else. But but I I think that I, I think Paul DeYoung's our shortstop, almost like Matt Carpenter was our utility guy this year. I think Paul DeYoung's the shortstop, and I hate that, but I think that's the direction the team will go. Well, and it's always been Mo's MO to, to just sit back and wait, right? And I think part of the issue, and we already saw it start happening this week, is the NL Central is getting weaker. Just it's trash. It's already getting so much weaker. Obviously, El Garcia, he's gone. Best hitter on the Brewers this year. He's going for more money, as he should. Um, I saw today they're shopping um, uh, Luis Castillo, the Ace. Reds, the Reds, right? Yeah, the Reds. Sorry, that was the Brewers with, with yeah. Garcia. The Reds are shopping um, um, Luis Castillo. That's their Ace. The yeah. guy's... They lost Miley. Yeah, well, they, they they just gave Miley up, yeah. which was like what the Braves or the Braves, the Cubs snagged him, which was actually a smart move. But I don't know what they're doing because they're not going to compete next year. But but they Cast- just let him go. Castellanos. Yep, Castellanos is gone. Qualifying offer, he's out of there. Um, but yeah, they traded Tucker Barnhart. Yeah, they did. Gold Glover, which they got last year. Right, they got Tyler Stevenson, who's who's way better offensively at catcher, anyways. But. But it's still it's it's getting the NL Central's getting it's getting weaker unless the the Brewers are going to start making more moves, which I guarantee you they're not going to be signing more people. They got to pay Jackie Bradley Jr. like another twelve or thirteen million because he had a player option and he was terrible offensively. Yeah, so I mean, to Kyle's point, the Cardinals are like, oh well, we're just competing with the Brewers. The Brewers have gotten worse this okay, offseason. But here's here's the problem with that thought. 
that's what that's what they thought last off season oh, when absolutely. we went and got Nolan Arnato. Hey, I we got agree. We got Nolan Arnato. We're good. That's all we needed. And then the pitching went to crap, and the depth they thought was there was terrible. So I will say, I, I probably agree with you. If there's something they focus on more this off season, it's going to be the starting pitching depth. I think that's coming. I, I really think we get uh, Luis Garcia back. I think they're going to sign him. And let's I, get let's get into that. So yeah. the Cardinals signed T.J. McFarland, um, yep. and for two and a half million. With yeah. with a $500,000 bonus possible yeah. Yeah, incentive stuff. I think was awesome. Like, he had a 2.46 ERA for the Cardinals, and he only, you know, he was there in the second half or whatever it was. But that is a great signing. Again, Mo, good job. Great signing. Cheap. We were talking earlier, you know, if it was in the $5 million range, you thought that was, that was still a pretty good signing. And so then that happened, and he's double play machine. You know, just ground ball, double play. He was the one that was the pitcher with the crazy um, play in Chicago with the Bader coming in. Yeah, he threw that pitch. Yeah. Uh, And so, great signing. And then they're talking about getting Luis Garcia uh, in talks with bringing him back as well. So, that's shoring shoring up that bullpen already. So, you know, what else do we need to bring in on the pitching side? Well, yeah, and I'll let you jump in here too, Kyle. Um, I think that... For me, it's got to be another starter or two. I'd be fine with two. Um, they're probably going to go after a cheaper veteran pitcher. I wouldn't hate Lester. I'd, I'd rather have him if you're if you're telling me to pick between Lester or Hap. I think Lester was a little bit better. I'd rather him go after somebody that's maybe a little bit more proven, which probably going to cost more money depending on who that is. But, yeah, I think they're going to add more to the starting pitching to get it more depth. But they might be cheaper deals. I mean, if, if you're holding your breath for like a Marcus Stroman or or you know Kevin Gosman, I don't 20, think that's going to happen. Twenty five million a year each, probably, right? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think again. I don't think we're spending a lot of money, even though I think there's money to spend. Uh, but boy, historically, how many years have we said right about the time the season's going to start or spring training? Oh, somebody's hurt. A pitcher's out. Somebody's thrown their arm out. Uh, you know, I'm like you. Let's go get two or three starters just to be safe, uh, just to have enough protection. You know, Wayno pitched out of his mind this year. Uh, can you really expect that from him in another season to go all the way through pitching the way he did? I, I, I'd love to think so. It's a great way to go out, but is it realistic? Um, and, and if we're going to rely on Adam Wainwright to be our best pitcher, uh, I think it could be a long year uh, for the Cardinals, especially the bullpen. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that he can do uh, what he's done this year, uh, but but more pitching depth, especially at starter, is key. Well, let me ask you this. So I think uh, the more realistic um, options are going to be more like, uh, I can't think of the other guy, but John Gray, who didn't get a qualifying offer from, um, from uh, Colorado. And Which is just crazy. Well, it's eighteen what million they, though. It was eighteen million dollar. He had to qualify an offer was eighteen million. So yeah, I guess they thought they might have been worried he was going to take. Yeah, that. they don't want him I mean, to take it. Yeah, eighteen yeah. million is a lot because he's not worth eighteen million. No, but so, you could trade him. It's the same. It's the same thing with they, Wade Miley with the Reds. Let him go. You could have kept him for the ten, even if you don't want you know pay him. You trade him. Well, they supposedly were trying to trade John Gray at the trade deadline and right. didn't happen either. So maybe there's not a big of a market there that they thought. I don't know. But would you rather have? John Gray and uh, a DH bat of sorts, uh, or would you rather have the shortstop? 
Because I think that's where you're gonna. I think that's really where the money's gonna be decided. Do you get ten million ish? Because that's what they think that uh, John Gray is gonna get, according to John Saunders again of the Denver Post. He said uh, John Gray is looking for ten to twelve million a year for around three years, right? So that amount, and you get a DH bat for ten million. Whatever Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, something in that range of a of a dude for a DH and a another uh, out, outfield guy, or do you? Would you rather have twenty five million on a shortstop? For me, it's it's starting pitching. Uh, I, I I I don't know until they move the mound back or bring the fences in the way the offense has gone historically across the league. That you know, even with a good hitting team, you're going to to score enough runs to <laughs> to outdistance bad pitching. So I, I think we've got to go spend the money on pitching first and foremost. Yeah, I, I, I'm there on the starting pitching depth because we all, I mean, we all thought they had it last year and they didn't, right? Daniel Ponce de Leon was terrible. <laughs> John Gant, I thought the John Gant experiment was going to crash and burn anyways because I never liked when he started. I always thought he was better in the bullpen. But obviously, you know, a part of the issue with this past year, Jack Flaherty being hurt most of the, the right. season, right? And if he's not the ace next season – we're going to be in the same pro- spot. We're going to be in the same spot because even though the Brewers offense has gotten worse, they've still got those three stud, you know, starters they've got in their rotation that were top 3 of the ERA. So unless they take steps back, which which hopefully they do, but I do think they go after uh starting pitching. I don't think I would want a guy like Gray. I think if we're going to go I I I would rather go cheaper, spend more on the DH bat and get, you know, bring in a bigger guy. But there's there's some low end guys. We talked a little bit. I don't know how much you'll get, but a Carlos Rodon, right? A lefty. Oh, pow- Rodon, the the guy that threw the no hitter last year. Yeah, he's gonna get like twenty five plus million a year. Cardinals he might. ain't happening. He might. Cardinals only signing is not gonna be gonna be that. I I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think we're gonna be dancing in that pool. I don't think it's any chance. Probably not. <laughs> so so I'm looking at stop free, getting your hopes up. I'm looking at <laughs> some free agent starters here. All right, here here's a few guys that I think would would be lower end but not bad options. You got a guy like Alex Cobb, Danny Duffy. Now these guys are strike throwers, right? But ideally, are going to be a little bit better than Lester or Hap. What's the market? What's the value they they think there on these? I'm not seeing anything okay. yet on these guys, but they didn't have crazy big years. Alex Cobb, Danny Duffy. Uh, Michael Pineda, Drew Smiley is a guy that I like. He's had some injuries at times. Um, well, this is where I am opposite of you two is get me the shortstop and then I can, we can afford a guy like those guys. We can, right. we can afford that well, with, with the shortstop. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the the shortstop. You know I, me. I, I want, I want, I'm all for Trevor story. I go get him. Or if you want to throw the money at Corey Seager, we need a left-handed bat. I'm all for it. I do think that we've got money, man. I, what is it? 60, 64, 65 million came off the books well, with guys like Carpenter and Carlos it came, Martinez it came and off. Andrew Miller. It came off, but you have 20 arbitrations million, coming up. 17 I know. million for Yachty and Wayno, the new, the up, their upgraded salary. Right. Then how much? Two we, and a half for McFarland today. Two and a half more. And then we also calculated around 20 million probably for raises for arbitration. Right. So there's four, 40 million right there. Yep. Of the of the sixty that came off the books, there's already forty gone. So and if, that's why it's time to raise <laughs> the salary. Raise raise it. I was looking at the I was looking at the historic payroll, you know, of, of the of the team, and it is in line that it goes up again. Like it's it's not crazy, but you have to think about the COVID. And to be honest, there was not many butts in the seats this year, so it probably doesn't make the 
Uh, DeWitt's very excited to spend more money uh, because of that. Well, I think I, ideally next year will be more back to normal, hopefully. And, and obviously the big thing with next year is you're going to have full capacity, unless something crazy happens, you're going to have full uh, capacity from the beginning. So that's going to make a huge difference, especially with opening day. Here's what I want them to do with starting pitching. Go get a low-end veteran guy like John Lester or Hap. It's going to be cheaper. Get him on a one-year floater deal. Tell him, hey, you know, if any of our young guys, somebody gets hurt, you get to jump in. Sorry, and then, they also said they, they're not interested in Wade LeBlanc resigning. by the way. That came out today as well. Okay, well, so, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, so, LeBlanc was a patchwork, and, right. and he got he got – you know he got hurt, and John Lester is interested in returning to the Cardinals. And I would be, I would be cool with him. I mean, I, he, he, Yachty had him throwing that cutter more, had him, you know, just staying away from the four seam, and, and he was throwing strikes and getting ground balls. Uh, there's a guy, and we've talked about him, that I would be cool with taking a flyer on if, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't command a crap ton of crazy money, is Noah Syndergaard. That's a guy coming off Tommy John. He had a QO though, right? He had a quality. Uh, I think, I think he did. So that's an 18 million hit. So you got to pay him more than 18 million, more than likely for him to take that, take Maybe. a deal. I, I would give him, dude, man, I would give him 18 or 19. Just as a low end guy, why not try it for a year? Just to try it, just to see. But because he's not, I don't, he gotta, he's electric oh, when he's oh, healthy. I get it. I get it. But you got to think on the business side. So you got to have a one year deal back to New York where he loves, supposedly he just loves New York City, right? right? At 18 million of the qualifying offers, like 18.5 or whatever they all are. Or he gets a one year deal from the Cardinals for 18.5, 19, 20. He's going to stay in New York. You, he's got to get a, three-year, $60 million deal to go somewhere else. And guess what? St. Louis Cardinals are not going to do that. Not for a guy that's just coming off an injury. They, right. I don't think they're going to spend the money. I don't think they're going to sadly, I don't think the Cardinals are going to spend the money of 20-plus million on one person uh, at, at all. I think if they do, it, it's going to be a, a shortstop, like but I, I said. But 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 that that'd be the only spot. And then you're and then you're looking internally probably for DH and but, but the pitching depth. I mean, hopefully it's there this year. <laughs> we'll see yeah, with the young guys. I think your point is Lester. I think you're going to get a JA Hap or a Lester back, and then you're going to have to sign one other dude at a lower level. And, and those that is what makes sense for the Cardinals. And to me, that's more than likely what's going to happen. Uh, but I mentioned last time as well. There's only one team in the whole Major League Baseball that has three dudes or more making $25 million a year, and that's the Dodgers. And the Cardinals already have two. So go, give, you, go give Trevor Story 24. that $90, $90 million go over four years. Give him 22. Yeah. <laughs> $22 million a year. I just don't think the Cardinals are swimming in that, in that pool. I just don't think they will. I, gosh, I want them to so badly because I think that we are that close, that close to really being competitive for World Series. I'm a shortstop and depth at pitching on the starter side and the uh, reliever side and and then a DH bat whenever, if that goes inactive. That's how close we are, just a little pieces here and there. Because like Mark Saxon said on the last episode, everything is already in place and the big pieces. We just need a few more, and they are right there. Yeah, I think this offseason and the moves we're talking about and the money we're talking about spending is really going to be indicative, indicative of does ownership really – are they serious when they say they they want another championship? Do they okay? Well, we'll show us. You know, you, you made a good move. You made a couple of good moves. We're winning some awards, but you haven't won anything yet. So, are, are we going to do it or are we not? And, and this could be a, a great off season to prove to Cardinal Nation, yeah, we're going after it. This is going to be the year. We're going to take the uh, put the foot on the accelerator and go for broke. 
Yeah, and I agree. And I hate being the one to poo-poo on everyone's excitement. because. But I, I also hate when people spend the Cardinals' money and like, oh, we can't afford that. They can afford it if they want to. Oh, yeah. They, it's all about what they want. What were the top three again in attendance this year? Was it? We were top three or four again. If we were, that's terrible. Because I was at games and there was not people there. I mean, maybe it, maybe it's ticket sales. Maybe it's ticket sales. That's the big difference. <laughs> That's a big difference because um, because you know the Cardinals fan base is different. You know, all of us live two plus hours from St. Louis, and we go to St. Louis, and we go to Cincinnati, and we go to Chicago, and we go places to be able to watch them. But that's the Cardinals fandom. I think people in St. Louis don't realize how far people travel to go to every Cardinals game, and that's a big part of ticket sales is because people from Indiana. And people from Illinois didn't drive over as much because of all that. So was are it because you, they had? Ready? Yes, I'm ready. Fourth, two point one million. Yes, this I, year. I was just about to say, Kyle. I pulled it up too. We were fourth in attendance. And and, and there's no way we had two point one million. I, there's just really not because there was other teams that had full. They were like uh, Atlanta, I think. They were like fully. Atlanta open. was second at two point three million. They averaged twenty nine thousand four ninety. We averaged twenty six thousand two eighty one. Yeah. Kyle, we were at games together. There wasn't some of those games. There just wasn't people there, and they were good games. Right. No, for sure. I, I, I mean, but <laughs> it, it goes I mean, They can't be the making these up. Whether they're there or whether they're paying for tickets that nobody used, I mean, the money is coming in. That's, right. that's the point. They're still for it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The money still was happening. 2.1 million tickets bought, I guess, right? I mean, if you look at it that way. And then that's not including Ballpark Village and, and all that money that brings in. Because I, you know, even on opening day when we were there, you know, Ballpark Village was a madhouse. Everything was a madhouse. Places, you know, everything was packed. I mean, it just is what it is. So I, I hate when people say, oh, Cardinals can't afford it. They can afford whatever the hell they want to do if they're willing to open up the pocketbook and spend some money. Yeah, I just wish they would. And I think I think this is the offseason. They that, have to. That they, they need to do it. If we want to step on the throat of the division. And, and, you know, back to the rotation, I think a lot of what's going to play on the rotation depth this year is these young guys, Dakota Hudson, back for a full season. How many innings do they think they're going to get out of him? Miles Michaelis, hopefully, back healthy for a full season. And you talk about, you know, they're wanting to move Alex Reyes, try to give him a shot at the rotation. Mark Saxon talked about that a little bit. And surprisingly, Jordan Hicks, which I, I, I don't, I, I just don't get that one at all. I mean, he's pretty, pretty much fastball slider and he's got the sinker that he, that power sinker, but I don't see him as a starting pitcher. So I'm not sure what they're looking at those guys. Maybe Marmol's going to get creative and piggyback those two guys. Maybe it's an opener and then Reyes comes in and throws three or four innings and then they go to the bullpen. Kyle, what do you think about an opener? Well, you, you know, I don't think I. That sounds like a Tony Larusa term all over again, doesn't it? Those terms that I always hated but always seemed to work out. But uh, I think it was Craig Council of the Brewers here not long ago that said he didn't have openers or closers or starters. He had outgetters, uh, and I and I think that may be the more uh, pending philosophy we're going to see for more for more pitching. Uh, scouts and pitching coaches and managers is who's going to get out. So this, let's just go get out. Let's go eat out. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, before we move on here from pitching, I did want to just give kind of one more shout out to the TJ McFarland deal today, because I do think that one was really great. The guy's only 32. So just looking at this season, he had, uh, let's see here, an 
63.5% left on base percentage, 63.7 ground ball percentage. Those numbers are the best he's had since 2018. He had a couple of pretty good seasons with the uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. But that ground ball percentage, I mean, the guy was just money. 2.56 ERA, even his FIP was 3.79. He he was fantastic. I mean, every time we needed a double play, like he got it. Now, I know the worry is that was only 38.2 innings pitch, so it wasn't a lot, but... I, I think, you know, we need a lefty, and my God, he cannot be worse than Andrew Miller. Well, you know, it's a good point, and I feel like that is the guy that Cardinals usually overspend on after he did that this year and then, move, you know, for the next year. Right. It's a really low risk at $2.5 million. Like, I feel like, you know, Mitchell oh, yeah. Boggs or some BS like that, they would have paid him $30 million for the next five years, and, you know, and, and now they realize, I think— you don't have to really spend tons of money on the relief pitchers. Find the hot hand. Keep on giving those guys the ball. Have depth in there where you have a lot of good options and keep going. Uh, and I do hope they bring Luis Garcia back as well because Yachty, whatever he worked with with him on throwing the sinker more, he was fantastic. I do think he's going to get more money than than TJ McFarlane though. Yeah, I think it'll cost more, but I still think we're in the five million range, right? I don't think we're. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's astronomical amounts of money, but you're still taking away from the pie if we're trying to get to 160 again of 160 million of that little bit, little bit, little bit. But all right. Hey, the, one last thing about pitching. Yeah. Just in case it happens, we want to be on record of saying it. Don't rule out trades. And we talked about spending more money and signing lots of things. We've got a lot of excess outfield outfielders in the minor leagues. I mean, don't don't. Don't knock the ability or don't forget about the ability the Cardinals could have to make a trade for a pitcher. No kidding. In the and with, man- with management meetings coming up soon. Well, it, the general manager's meeting started uh, yesterday, I think, actually. Right. Today, so, yeah. so the good point was, is, and that is, if you sign a Trevor Story at $20 million a year for a few years, then you trade Paul DeYoung and get dump that $10 million. Isn't that what his salary is going to be? Yep. So you... So let's you add addition by subtraction. I, mean, I don't know who's who who might take that full. I mean, maybe they would. We're not going to get much back for it. I don't think. Well, but the point is, you're dumping some of that yes. salary yes. of that ten million. If if we're really talking about tight budgets, right? Right. So if we get story for twenty two. Let's just say I don't think it's going to happen. Let's just say twenty two million. But then you're able to trade off uh, Paul DeYoung. You're really signing him for twelve million of a difference. Exactly. So there's there definitely, and then you can try and get more pitching or trade. Put him in with Kisner deal. A kid, trade Kisner in that deal, and you can get some pitching out of that as well. Package them together, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's. So I know we're going a little longer than I expected, but I feel like we're just kind of rolling, and, and I don't know, maybe it sounds terrible, maybe it sounds awesome. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, Let's talk about uh, Skip. So Skip Schumacher is reportedly, hasn't been anything official, but it sounds pretty damn official to me, that he's going to be the new bench coach. And we had a poll on our Twitter. 140-some-odd people voted, and they, who they, wanted. they wanted Skip Schumacher. So... Uh, I mentioned how seemingly we're doing the right moves this offseason so far. That's another one that sounds like, hell yeah, that's who I wanted to be the bench coach. Yes, and I'm excited about this. I'll be honest. I wanted Skip as the manager, so I- I'm just excited he is on the staff. Uh, a buddy of mine, another big Cardinals fan, jokingly texted me the other day. He said, oh, great. He said, here's our insurance in three or four years if, if Marmol gets fired. Skip Ugh. will be ready. <laughs> you know, I, that's the thought, too, but I saw from Katie Wu who will actually join us next week on the podcast. Um, she said it was a one-year deal. Now, okay, yeah, I hadn't seen any numbers yet. So. Don't, I didn't see any numbers. She didn't have any numbers, but she said it was a one-year deal with options both ways going forward. I asked her if it, if that was normal. She didn't respond, but um, we'll get her next week on, on here and, and talk a little bit more about it as well. But 
I think that's because people assume he's a next manager somewhere else. So you're probably just kind of giving. I think it's more like a Mark McGuire deal. His family's probably staying out in California, and yeah. he's coming here and helping where he can. I'm not. I'm not sure, really, to be honest. That's what I read in, in Gould's article. He wrote about was they were they were still working out the kinks of the contract because that is a big part of it, leaving his family in California. So maybe he wants the option to say, hey, you know, after this season, if I didn't enjoy it how I wanted to, I want to leave. But I can tell you what, he's going to get a big, he's going to get a big ovation on opening day. I was at the uh, 2011, um, the, uh, the the anniversary game that this year with my daughter. And man, you know, it was awesome that we happened to be playing the Padres and he came out on yeah. the field and people, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, he next, next to freeze and probably Chris Carpenter, he had like the loudest, one of the loudest ovations. He's one of my all time favorite Cardinals. Uh, I, I always have a special little place in my heart for the smaller guys that can play and play all kinds of positions. Play Tommy, hard, scrappy. Yes. Tommy Edmund types, the David Eckstein's, um, all those types of those dudes, that's that's the ones I like, but uh, Skip's a little more jacked than those guys. But yeah, um, yeah, he's one of the all-time greats and uh, favorites. I wouldn't say greats because Twitter was blowing up because they were saying Cardinals legend Skip <laughs> Schumacher is hired as the bench coach, and people were like, "Wait, wait, he was a legend now?" I mean, Rally Squirrel, that's legendary, right? I mean, that's what I think about is that 2011 run and Skip Schumacher playing all over the diamond. Yeah, I think so. And, and the interesting thing. Uh, for, from my perspective, is I think I texted you, Ryan, and said, uh, "So does that uh, make Marmol a little bit nervous now that uh, they've they've hired a former Cardinal to come in and sit next to him on the bench? I mean, all you got to do if you're Ali Marmol is is make the playoffs, get nominated for Manager of the Year, and lose your job. I mean, I guess that's the <laughs> the mantra that the Cardinals have kind of been following here as of late. But uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely on board. Big fan of Skip Schumacher, great hire as bench coach, and and, and love to see it." Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I read with Gould, Gould, Gould's article, Derek Gould, uh, with the Post-Dispatch, he did say that that um, Mo in, in, in the front office had been talking to and thinking about Skip for that role, I believe, like weeks ago. So the article even mentioned that that Ollie had talked to him even weeks ago, even I think even before they officially announced him. So yeah. Gold was saying I didn't get scooped is what he was making sure everyone knew. Right, that right. He, I had this first. <laughs> I had this a long time ago. But, I mean... I think the the big part of it is, I, I made the point. I maybe our yeah our very first podcast talking about Ali Marmol hire was they needed to hire someone with experience in the big leagues, and that's why I said there was no chance it was going to be Matt Holiday, even though he finished second in our poll of who they wanted to be the bench coach. Right. I just thought there was no chance they needed someone with some of that credibility that has has done that position or been a manager uh, in the bigs, and I think that's why they really needed someone like Schumacher who also was a cardinal as well. I mean, I think that's that's a big part of it is they are a card they were a cardinal, they know the cardinal way and they also have the experience both. Well, and they have the legitimacy of being a longtime player as well. I mean, I know I know Marmol was drafted and right. played in the minors for a little bit, but you know, Marmol talked to some about the the bench coach role and how it's it, you're kind of you're in uh contact a lot conversation-wise, communication-wise with the players. So, I could see that from some in why the voters would go holiday because he he'd be able to connect with the players perfectly fine. But yeah, I think Skip. It surprised me that we got him honestly because I, he's I was not too. pleasantly he's not, surprised. Yeah, I mean it's not a demotion, right? I'm sure he's getting a raise, but it's it's pretty much the same role he was in with the Padres the last three or four years. They just called it assistant manager. Well, right, but you also talk about what Ali said about hiring. You know what a bench coach was whenever he was a bench coach. But he also said it's someone that bounces ideas off of. Right. What what should we do here? What do you think here? 
and I don't think that Matt Holiday has that those no. credentials. People like to say, well, he's a coach now at, at Oklahoma State. He's a volunteer coach at Oklahoma State. Yeah, uh, he's not he's not making big league decisions. He didn't do it. You know, he was just a player, and he didn't make those decisions while he was playing either. So it didn't make sense to me, and I don't think you'll see Matt Holiday as an assistant hitting coach. I don't think you'll see him uh, maybe next round when there's new coaches hired again that you'll see him once he's, his son graduates high school. Uh, in that time frame is when you'll see Matt Holiday maybe make some more appearances for the Cardinals. But um, let's move on uh, to one little other thing is Matt Carpenter, um, the Cardinals and Matt Carpenter both put out today that that was it for him, which we all knew they weren't picking up his option, uh, but they they were kind of official made it official that the Cardinals weren't giving him any other options uh, either. And then uh, he put out something on the Player Tribune today, uh, which was there's a video of it. It's a, like a three minute video that he reads some of this what he wrote in the Player Tribune. The video was amazing, sound quality not awesome, but the it was like gives you the, all the feels of the. 11-year run that he had in St. Louis. Yeah, and if you haven't read the piece, I mean, it's definitely worth reading the whole thing. He really gets into, you know, his college his college days as a fifth-year, 22, 23-year-old senior and just not not knowing um, if he would, you know, get to play baseball again. The Cardinals taking a, a chance on him. Um, but it was a really – it was just a really good piece. And, look, I mean, we all know the last two and a half, three years, it's been rough. It's been rough with Matt Carpenter – there's a lot of reasons why we can go into that. But the guy, I, I, I think you're crazy or you're just so mad at the last couple of seasons if you don't think he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer. I mean, oh, he's going to be wearing a red jacket. He absolutely will be a Cardinals Hall of Famer. I, I don't think there's any doubt in all the – you know, there's dudes in there that I've never heard of, to be honest. You know, I think Kyle and I were in there earlier this year. Yeah, we, we, back, uh, we had X sign uh, signing. Yep. And we were looking at the wall, and I'm like, how did this guy get in – and David Freeze hasn't even been looked at yet, you know. And how David Eckstein hasn't even been looked at yet, even talked about a possibility. Matt Carpenter is without a doubt a Cardinals Hall of Famer. For sure, and I think you now that it's over and you get the chance to to not focus on what are you doing for me now and what have you done for me lately. If you take a look at the whole body of work, there's no doubt that, that he is a Cardinals Hall of Famer and, and uh, you hope that, that things ended amicably and, and he's willing and, and wanting to come back uh, and, and settle into that role uh, for Cardinals Nation. Yeah, and I, you know, Carpenter was one of my favorites as well. He carried the team when there were no other people really on this team that yes. uh, for a few years. I have his. I had his salsa. I have his uh, the oh yeah whatever the cereal was. I have that unopened in my basement right now. I mean, Carpenter. I have an autograph uh, Carpenter picture. Like Carpenter, you know, got a ring in 2011. He was a part of that team somewhat, uh, but played seven games that year. Yeah, you know, he had his first moments yeah. there. He got a ring, a part of it. When obviously was more part of the team in 2013. Um, if he look, if he's not on that 2013 team we don't get to the world series now i know right. carlos beltran was a big part of it they were kind of the dynamic duo holiday was still there a lot of people look at 2018 as recency bias is best season right 36 home runs um you know 81 rbis he had that tour just crazy second half was incredible gotta be the salsa right that was the year right? yeah yeah it, but for me 2013 was his best season that was that was the season he broke stan musel's uh, doubles record or was it 54 55 something, something. That, that's probably never going to be broken which I'm sure people thought it wouldn't have been broken to begin with I know he only hit 11 home runs that year but he had a t- 126 runs 
126 runs scored, 78 RBIs. He still had 78 RBIs just hitting 11 home runs that season. A 392 on base percentage. He had a 146 WRC plus, 100s league average. Batting leadoff that year, mostly or mm, mostly, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, the, I mean, that was the year he really, and I think 2012 he batted leadoff quite a bit too. But yeah. just nuts. I mean, he batted 318 with 392 OBP, and he still had a 481 slugging. I mean, that that to me was the best season that he had. And quite honestly, I kind of wish he hadn't sold out for the power because I, I really think that's how he started to become pool happy, and then the shift just destroyed his career the last couple of years. Well, I guess the other question will be, do you think that he tries and plays anywhere else, or you think that's career? Because in the Players' Tribune, did he, he didn't say it was over. He just said it was over with the Cardinals. Yeah, he didn't say for sure, but he, I, I read an article toward the end of the season. He got asked about that, and I know for sure that he still wants to play. So I, if there's a team out there, you know, he's a guy that's a prime, I think, DH-type person if you wanted to take a flyer. Maybe he goes over to Colorado for DH for a year and has a good season and has a bounce back. If they get rid of the shift, does that reopen his entire career? <laughs> it might. I, it, it it might, but I mean, I still think he's, I still think he needs to get to where he's he's hitting the ball the other way again. I mean, think back to 2013, 14, 15. He was spraying doubles in the gap. Well, so was everyone all. else, right? The whole so. game has changed. It, but isn't it? But but isn't it funny how when the playoffs come, all of a sudden these guys can beat shifts? Oh gosh! All of a sudden these guys, except Yachty. Yachty was swinging for the fences well, in the yeah. wild card game instead of doing what he does all the time. I don't right. want to get into that because that just will piss me off thinking about that game. Um, all right. Well, I, you want to read any of this quote? I know you had any of that. You want to read any of that? What are you, from the players to be in? Yeah, I'll just read real quick here. He had a lot of great quotes, but um, this was one that stood out to me, just showing the type of player and person he was. He said, "My time." My time wearing that iconic uniform is over. Goodbyes can be really hard, and I really felt like I owed each and every member of Cardinal Nation something because these last few months, once people start started to understand that I might not be back next year, that this might be the end, I've been getting a lot of thank you messages, and I appreciate that. I really do. But I'm hearing them, and I'm reading them, and I'm thinking about it like, no, man, I'm the one that should be thanking you. Y'all... Y'all are who need to be thanked. I'm the one who is filled with nothing but overwhelming gratitude. And that's the type of guy Carpenter is. We've never heard anything remotely bad about this guy's work ethic. He's one of those guys that was just a Cardinal that you could love, like Skip Schumacher did anything for the team, moved to second base, moved to first base, moved to third base. I mean, he just did whatever needed to be done and showed up every day, and I don't know how you can't appreciate that. All right, well, that's another episode of That's a Winner podcast. Next week, we're going to have the great Katie Wu, which I'm excited about uh, having her on next week. Um, we've had Mark Saxon, and um, and Kyle's going to join us when he can uh, throughout his busy basketball, Division One basketball uh, time that he calls games and everything. So, uh, But Katie Wu will join us next week. Follow us at, at That's a Winner pod on Twitter. Follow me at Jinx3086. Do you want any shameless plugs over there? Uh, at JBrown116 for me. Kyle? Yeah, Kyle J. Peach. That's it for That's a Winter Podcast. This time, uh, follow us everywhere, and uh, can't wait to talk to you next time. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! 